0: Welcome to GWC podcast number 343, recorded September 29th, 2012. In this episode, we continue our robot arc discussing robots that would like to be human, whether they achieve it or not. But first, your hosts. Three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap And with me, Audra
1: Heskin.
0: If if I had a nickel for every time
1: I got boned at the eye of Jupiter.
2: And Sean O'Hara. I shall fart.
0: Our mission? Enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say, or hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just tower at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in the future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody.
1: Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Shut up, Shut up Terry. Terry.
2: <laughs> Audra is back this week with us. Yay! Yay! So we don't—they don't have to suffer
0: through us trying to do the Audra thing. We did your news thing. It was not good. It was like,
2: yeah, shit. <laughs> it, it, it was bad. <laughs> it's like that moment in Goldeneye when I'm he's like, sorry. "Who's strangling the cat? Strangling the—that ca- is my mistress, Arena. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's up
1: with that cat. Somebody throwing it <laughs> talented girl
2: uh yeah so we we kind of butchered your thing for you so. we tried though we did our best we did. okay we did we were about an octave too low and i was three notes off but other than that it was fine it was there <laughs> fair enough
0: it was there okay so i know this will be a, I we can do news and such but i gotta say on tuesday <laughs> i went down and
2: i picked up avengers of course now did you uh, okay now knowing you as i do I know that you just didn't go down and pick well, up Avengers. Here's the thing: so
0: you know, I, I actually I think I posted the Facebook or something, but I and we talked about this about how annoying it can be to try sure. to pick which one. Well, uh, someone on Facebook was cool enough to send me an awesome like rundown. <laughs> like there was this blog <laughs> that had done research. all the research yeah, for you nice. and laid Which stores it out. had which here's versions what, for what price? What and there were all kinds of things like the DVD, Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray DVD. Same stuff. Different yeah. package, same stuff. And they're different prices. Like it's, Yeah, they are. The DVD Blu-ray is cheaper than the Blu-ray DVD. But it turns out that the well, ultimate I don't deal, understand.
1: Like, one's on the left and one's on the right? Okay, or?
0: like this, I'm holding in my hand. This is the Blu-ray plus DVD package, right?
1: Okay, so and it looks it, like a Blu-ray box. Like but Blu-ray. if you open
0: it up, it has the Blu-ray and, and a bunch of crap, which dumped out all <laughs> which over me. All uh, over it, it has the Blu-ray and then it has the DVD on the other side, right? Well, there's also a DVD Blu-ray combo, which is a DVD package that has a DVD in it and also a Blu-ray. And the Blu ray is Blu ray plus DVD. Wow,
1: they really wanted to make sure that no one was confused and that everyone know, just got I know. what they wanted. Like, and it, it relaxed. Looks it's, all right to me. Relax. It's
2: way it's worse, worse than
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, nobody gets that either. The Mission Impossible. But uh, the DVD plus Blu ray was actually cheaper than the Blu ray plus DVD. Now you're wondering, why do I have the Blu ray plus DVD? Well, it turns out that there's another weirdo thing, which is that Target has the special on the back you'll see attached is this additional disc, right? So this additional disc has like 90 minutes of more building a cinematic universe, Avengers, right? See,
1: that that sounds awesome.
0: Right. So that came with this, but not with the DVD plus Blu-ray, but because apparently Target advertised uh, one that was screwed up somehow and they could they didn't have it in stock, they readjusted the price of the Blu-ray plus DVD with the additional stuff to the price of the standard ones. Long story short, I paid like $14 for this, nice. which, which is the price of the DVD. And I got the Blu-ray plus DVD with the cool thing and all that and blah, blah, blah. And I picked it up on Tuesday. I was very excited. Came home and did not have time to watch it immediately, which sucked. And uh, looked. But at we it. watched
1: it over the weekend. <laughs> and wow, it was I mean, I hadn't seen it since the one time we saw it when it came out in the theater. Wow. And it was really cool. It was the first time we watched it, you're so trying to take everything in. There's so much action and so many things going on. And it's just it's this great experience. But you know, watching it the second time I could pay more attention to dialogue and the dialogue is really, really important. And I would say that virtually every conversation that they have is pretty, pretty cool. meaningful yeah. and, and says a lot about the characters. It's not like uh sort of, you know, we have dialogue in here because we need something to break up the action. Like a lot of movies, it's like, it really is, you know, yeah, it's important. And, like, I, and I got a lot more out of the movie, just being uh, able to pick all that up.
0: Audrey and I were like, just tearing into it, like listening, going back, and listening to each part of the dialogue. Like
1: I was like, Oh, look how he said this. And one you know. example,
0: just one example, that awesome interaction between, uh, Stark and banner in, oh, the, in the, the research lab. Yeah, yeah. That is
2: the most significant portion of the movie as far as understanding who everybody is and why everybody's there. It when all he, happens in that research lab
0: when he says that should have killed you. And, and he, he's like, so I see. Yeah. And I, the, so the other guy saved me. Nice sentiment. For what, you know, and and you realize when you think about that, that Stark is that's Stark's history. That's what he is. I mean, in in this universe version of the universe, right? I mean, he made weapons for a living and and did this. I don't care about the world or how it works. And then all of a sudden this guy saved his life. He
2: has somebody who did save him
0: and he had to ask himself whether his life was worth saving and and realize that his actions were going to make it. So or not. And he was saying that to Banner without saying it. And Banner got it and thought about it. And that's why I think later Stark was so sure that Banner was going to show up and play his role because
1: and at the end, they drive off together. Like Banner gets uh-huh. into his car, and
0: uh huh. I know. I mean, like things connect in ways that you. Just, I, I know we're not going to talk about it all this. Well, you time, know. You
1: know what's cool? Uh, Thor has always been my favorite, just because you know, for a lot of reasons, I love Thor. You know, I'm like I'm like gooey about Thor. But when it comes down to it, watching the Avengers, the one I identify most with is Banner. And I I've, honestly, I feel like I might not have said that a year ago or more. But as I think about it a lot and understand more about myself, I think, yeah, I, I can relate to Banner a lot more than I thought. So,
2: yeah, me he's too. He's kind of my... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I grew up with that. But the, they do a great job of making that movie, the interactions that you see with it, like uh, uh, Captain America, when he's in the research lab and, and they're all figuring it out. And they're, everyone in that room is 10 times smarter than he is. And he's like, yeah, well, my feet work and my eyes work. I'm going to go look. And he arrives at the same time to the same conclusion with information they didn't have even. And it's, it's just working together. Even then I love that. (laughs) I mean, even though he's mad at them, even though they don't particularly like each other, um, there's still this, this representation of you're not useless. You know, it doesn't matter that these two guys are hyper geniuses. You're not broken. Go look. And it,
0: it that was, whole interaction when he's like so tell me what is phase two and he's like well you know we did that. and then he walks in <laughs> let me tell you what phase and two is like, boom, drops the 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 you Know the hydro weapon and is like, That's what it is. He's like, Look, we collected all the stuff, you know. It's not that we were, and 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 Stark is like, I'm sorry, what were you lying? <laughs> oh, yeah, the fury. <laughs> yeah. And he turns around the monitor and shows him the thing he was going to build, and it, the whole thing is just boom, 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 like that. And the first time you see it in the theater, you don't get all that, it just blows by, you and know? you
2: realize that you've assembled the smartest. And most proactive people available on the planet, they're not going to f- be fooled by a, cor- a corporate party line. No. You know they are—they are way more intelligent than that, and you cannot lie to them in that way. They're most of them are built not to accept the the truth, even much less you you lying <laughs> to them. So that's not going to work out for you. And I think Fury at the end realizes that. You know? Yeah,
0: and that's the the transformations of all these characters, like like watching Fury transform from this guy that's just pushing pawns to like a guy who realizes that his place in the universe is to make things work out for mm-hmm. these people, and that's what he does. I, I get him in
2: line, let him do their <laughs> thing. I,
0: I, I love him his interactions. Way. He's like. Yes, I understand you've come to a decision, but seeing that it's a stupid-ass
1: decision, <laughs> I decided... I choose to it. I was
2: just think how funny it is
1: that uh, in, like Jane doesn't show up in this movie, Thor's girlfriend, but uh, we hear about her getting like a really choice uh, research project, and they're like very remote and they say it's in Toronto which for, you know Toronto's a huge city they must be outside Toronto <laughs> I just think it's really funny that they, they want Jane to be as far away from civilization as possible so they send her to Canada oh.
0: <laughs> you gotta admit uh, if New York is the center which it apparently was in right <laughs> That is a distance away from that Toronto. Is a distance, to, yeah, yeah that is a distance away. But you think, you know, if you're talking remote with with astrophysics, there's some remote astrophysics places, let's face it.
1: Well, they moved her closer. I mean, she <laughs> wasn't like New Mexico, right? <laughs> Toronto was only like, you know, a few hundred miles from New York.
2: That's funny. Well, she may have been in New York, so that would have been remote. <laughs> <I>
1: mean, anyway. <laughs>
0: Ask people in New York, you know, and and certain parts
2: of New York are yeah, the shawarma place. Didn't survive very well. I mean, come on, hey, it made it fine.
1: That's I great. They're they're still serving food while they're like sweeping, <laughs> sweeping up the debris up and everything
2: like that. I just love well, Thor's face at the end of that. He's just I'm fine.
0: All yeah. right, I'm good. I'm good. Isn't we were laughing too? This is not important, but we were just laughing at how accurate it is that a guy as big as him would have to eat all the time. Oh
1: my god, it's realistic. Yes. You see
0: him every time you offer him food; he's going to eat it. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Okay, that's not BS. Right? There.
1: It's <laughs> funny how you know Thor actually is so much smaller in the Avengers than that's he true, is in the yeah. movie Thor. That they have him wear his like his chest plate his armor all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah, so that you can't really see that he's kind of gone down to just huge Look, instead of gargantuan very large yeah. <laughs> instead of
2: stupidly large. <laughs> yeah. Also, sustainably large. In yeah. that scene, did you check out uh, Hawkeye and and Black Widow? Like Hawkeye had his leg wrapped around her and his foot kind of wrapped. Oh yeah, around her at the shawarma and,
1: scene. Yeah, his uh, yeah. his leg was like stretched out on her yeah, chair. Her
2: her feet were kind of resting on him and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of. I was like,
1: oh yeah, they do
2: tell you. You know, there's I mean, a lot to that. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of little cues in there that I missed in the theater. I really did. So, so the interesting part to me was
0: was Rogers is sitting there and he is doing nothing. Yeah, Rogers is not even eating. He's just like <laughs> has this <laughs> look on his face, like what's going on? He just, he
2: just doesn't get it. You know, the rest of them are not soldiers, though. Not really. I mean, you got two assassins, a god. <laughs> a, a genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. I'm trying to read the coin in my head.
0: Oh crap! Yeah, uh, the <laughs> coin he's talking about. Uh, our friend Chris is a long, yeah, yeah, yeah. long time GWC listener. Is, is was super badass. I, I I I think he picked this up at uh, DragonCon, but it's this awesome little commemorative coin, and on one side it has this.
2: Like it almost looks well, like it has Eisenhower a on a dime. Oh yeah, and it, but it's but oh it's, yeah, it's, it's like a the Iron Man. What do you helmet. call it? You know, it um, looks like one of those coins you get from the Franklin Mint, never circulated because it isn't real money. On the back, it's, isn't it?
1: it's Iron Man's helmet in relief. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. And then, I was trying to
1: think of the way to say it. Uh, right?
0: I thought the Eisenhower on the dime that was pretty pretty decent. <laughs> in I mean, relief,
1: know what that means? Yeah.
0: But then, uh, and it had it had those words engraved around it. You know it. Uh, it and then if you flip it over, it had some like blue kind of translucent material like plastic or something inlaid well, yeah, on his, it. It's his and it looks like his, his new arc reactor, the yeah. new one, you know, the all awesome like from Iron Man the 2 one. Triangular one. Right. Yeah. The extremist like one that's not.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and uh, anyway, just bad and it has a little stand that holds it up and everything. And it's super cool. The hard part is deciding which side of the coin to show. Cause think, they're both so cool. I think you did it correctly though. I had the, uh, I had the arc reactor showing. Yeah. But I flipped it.
1: <laughs> Dude, your, your arc reactor is showing.
0: <laughs> I got to tell you one last thing and I swear I'll get off the Avengers. Oh, that's what she said. Um, is that
1: <laughs> my wife did kiss. <laughs> and and Giles. Giles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, that scene with, uh, with Rogers and Stark when they figure things out, is one of my favorites in the movie. I it almost blew by me in the theater, and when when Stark reacts to Coulson and essentially is like he shouldn't go in on his own, it's his fault, you know, and I'm being vague on purpose, and and then, you know, that's his reaction to that, and then the reaction you get from Rogers is like uh, he's a good man. and We he lost was a good doing man. his job, yeah, and and you know, because that's how he makes himself okay with this. Well, at least he was doing something important. He you knew
2: he was doing what he believed in the way he, he thought he could do it and it worked. You know? And
0: then he tries to be nice to Tony. He's like, is this the first time you've, you've lost a soldier and you, and you see Stark's reaction. We're not soldiers, you know, cause that's pretty critical to him. And that leads right into they, they join at that moment. And it's the second time they do that. Right. The first time is when, is when the carrier gets attacked. Yeah. Put on the suit, yeah, <laughs> and then the second time is here, and it's my f- one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when Stark is like, no, 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 this was per-. he looks at the at the stain, and he's like, this was personal. He's like, no, 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 this was personal. It was his intent, and he he unfolds it all, and then he gets to that awesome moment that kind of ran by me in the theater where he's like, he's a full full told diva. He wants you know, uh, he wants just manolith with Built his name the, on the side of a- his. Thing. You know, the one thing Audrey and I were talking about this Stark is a real asshole. Yeah, he really is. He is really broken and in, in a bad, bad way, but you know, what's really cool about him. He's willing to fix it. Mm-hmm. He always is. And I think that's something, you know, that you can all that we can all aspire to. You know, we make a lot of mistakes, but no matter how many mistakes you've ever made, the best thing you can do is try to be eyes open about it and fix it. Mm-hmm.
2: Do your best to make the right ones going forward. Anyway. Yeah. And Stark's big on that. It's kind of his theme. He's got
0: a lot to work on. <laughs> yeah. So I, we could have <laughs> movies
2: with him doing that for a long time. Yeah. A couple of them. You guys ready for some news?
0: News! And now... Galactic! What cooler News,
1: updates, upcoming stuff in general and anything else we can to just talk about
0: Okay.
2: Hey, All hey. right. That was way better than uh before. Us. Yeah. I I don't recommend anybody doing that if you enjoy no. your ears.
1: <laughs> so uh this past week, actually just a couple days ago, um the twenty eighth, September twenty eighth, was the twenty fifth anniversary of Star Trek the Next Generation premiering on television. So
2: I feel old, man. Nice. Isn't
1: that fracking incredible? I was uh I was driving the other day and I realized, Chuck, that your, your old iPod was still like in the oh, middle yeah, console sure, of the car. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I should see what's on here and put stuff on. Oh yeah. So we I, I, I hooked it up. Uh,
0: themes. Themes? yeah we had the uh, tv show themes the star trek tv show themes are on oh
1: there. that's not where i was going but uh, but yeah you're right they're on there but um i plugged it in and it's it just started alphabetically playing alanis morissette and i'm like Aww. i'm like oh hey cool you know and, and jagged little pills on there and I, I put on jagged little pill and i haven't listened to that album in so long oh, yeah and it brings me back to oh, you yeah. know like 96 and then i realized more time I, this you know came out when I was in high school. More time has passed since this album came out <laughs> than in my life before the album came out. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, because I thought I was... Mind blown. I thought I was like fairly grown up when the album came out, you know? And I'm like, I have more than, you know, I have surpassed that amount of time yet again. And I, it just made me feel really out of time for a moment. But
2: Dave Collier, man.
1: Ew, stop it.
2: I, I cannot get oh, over that. I you just, had to I go can't. there. I, I, it's just. It, ever <laughs> say, And it was you who damaged me in that way. <laughs> <Dude. laughs>
1: you're like, maybe that was a, about?
2: It was Dave Culio. I'm like, yeah,
1: no! In the back of a movie theater. Hot, cut, cut, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: yeah wow oh, <laughs> yeah you're like done with that okay time to move on
2: <laughs> track there's, forward <laughs>
1: there's a cool article on blaster though that has like a whole bunch of uh star trek next gen facts that you might not have known behind the scenes things like,
2: like this before the beard
1: <laughs> <laughs> well um i guess uh tim russ um actually was one of the original like contenders to play uh jordy, jordy. Mm-hmm. yeah um and then there are a couple other interesting things like uh, Lore was originally going to be a female, but Brent Spiner came up with the uh, the evil twin thing.
0: Then they decided they didn't really
2: want to pay a second person. You know, it's going to be a fairly reoccurring character, and we don't have a lot of cash. We, we already have all like two
1: women on the show out of like 20. That's, like, enough. that's enough. That's enough.
2: <laughs> we get a bartender every once in a while. It's fine. That's God. more than enough, boobage. <laughs> We're good. D- Data did have a daughter. Yeah. Lol. Lol? Lol.
1: Yeah
0: lol I'm just kidding no LOL.
1: <laughs> she loved cats
0: i don't understand <laughs> that was her name her All name was lol she had two cats they were lol's
2: cats <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was her name her name was Lal.
1: i guess there's a shot of uh you know the tasha yar hologram the goodbye message or whatever yes yes and she's standing on a like, her holographic image is on a grassy field with a blue sky in the really background.
2: standing on an and it, apple crate.
1: Apparently, it was so sad when they were filming that, that Patrick Stewart burst out into uh, the Sound of Music theme. <laughs> <Just>
0: to- <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. That guy has a sense of humor. Oh, hey, speaking of... Did you, did you see? I know Audrey did because I was with her when she did. Did you see Patrick Stewart on the Daily Show? Oh
1: my God, this oh. was awesome! It it was from this past week. The one um, Olivia Wilde was the guest, and Patrick Stewart showed up. Um, at first, it was but he introduced him as John Oliver, and they it's Patrick Stewart of, in were, a John Oliver wig?
0: They were making fun of of you know the the labor issues. Wow. You know, and and the the importance of labor issues compared to like other labor issues. You know, with NFL, right? Right. And in classic Daily Show form, but the way they did is they're like, we we go to our senior correspondent, John Oliver, and it's Patrick Stewart in a John Oliver wig. Wow,
1: it was awesome.
0: And it sounds funny like that, but it's levels of funny beyond that. I mean, yeah, he, it's
1: like a an eight minute long piece. You got to see it
0: yeah seriously he starts out with just you know pretending to be oliver and the whole thing and then eventually oliver shows up when he tells him he'll just fire him because he doesn't really care and and
2: going on strike makes no sense and then uh uh john oliver would be shaking in his boots if that was patrick stewart you know i want to do the daily show he could just take john oliver's job that's (laughs) the joke they were making he's like this is an easy job i think i'll just keep doing this job
1: surprisingly easy so
0: so what do we get paid and he's he literally and And he's
1: like per day
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then he has interesting things to say that are very similar to what you may have heard on uh Uh, American dad it's 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 (laughs) great just check it out I'm sure you can get it off their site it's awesome it's interesting
1: there's another um, one of the like next-gen facts on blaster it says in in offspring a scene was planned you know it has the the person like the the metallic looking dude like robotic dude with no face in offspring a scene was planned with a same-sex couple holding hands but was nixed because someone called production to complain (laughs) because <laughs> we can't have that right
0: wow wonder who that is wow
1: someone
0: <laughs> we're not gonna say who apparently we don't get to know
1: <laughs> it says uh although only the only the women in the cast marina sirtis and gates mcfadden had sword training only the men were allowed to hold swords in the episode cupid
2: oh really they
1: were they were the only people super who had sword have. training
2: To have Gates McFadden sword fighting and everything.
1: I know, she rocks. I could
2: see that. Yeah, that was Shannon's whole reason for watching the show, was Gates McFadden. That was a lot of people's reason for watching the show.
1: (laughs) The episode of Fistful of Datas was originally uh, titled, after a different Spaghetti Western, as the good, the bad, and the Klingon.
2: Honestly, I think that's better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i like is, it that is pretty cool <laughs> so you know what that.
1: i couldn't believe it this week uh one of my students um said something about uh, star trek the next generation came up in class like before class started and i was getting things ready and uh he uh, let's see somebody was talking about brent spiner and they're like hey that guy from warehouse 13 is the used to be on star trek
2: <laughs> and I was like, what?
1: And they're like, you know, Brett's the... Brent Spiner? <laughs> yeah, I was like, do you mean Brent Spiner? And and uh this other student's like, yeah, that's the guy, the the black guy who had the red thing on his eyes. And I'm like, no. No, what? And he's like, well, that's data, isn't it? The black guy with the red thing on his eyes, isn't that data? And I'm like, and no. I just like, I literally facepalmed. I was like, the no. Brown one. <laughs> the other one's like, like, no, that's a... Uh, and he's like, yeah, LeVar Burton played Data. And I'm like, or he called him Burton or something. He played Data. And I was like, oh my God, I have to leave this place. <laughs> Get Sorry.
2: me out of here. I was listening to Soundgarden the other day, and somebody came in my, my little area there. They're like, hey, that's cool. Who is it? I'm Soundgarden. Who's that? Get out.
1: Just, What's a Soundgarden? Just leave. I don't want to know. What's a Soundgarden? <laughs> it's something mommies and daddies listen to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: out. Yeah. yeah. You realize that their uh, one of their albums was released before that they were you know before they were bored and you are like, "Oh
1: man, <laughs> <You> no!" <know? Dough. laughs>
2: yeah, they don't know who Red Hot Chili Peppers is. You know, none of that. Red stuff. Hot Chili
1: Peppers. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like younger people know them more than others because they still they're still touring and stuff.
2: <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Keaton is still rolling around in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> wow!
1: One for his tooth. One <laughs> for his long. <laughs>
2: Um that's funny. So the uh the dread released this week.
1: Oh yeah. The dread
2: did you see it? I did not. Uh-huh. Apparently nobody saw it. Ouch. Uh it did uh let's see here Friday 2.2 million, Saturday 2.4 oh, million, the oh, weekend 6.3. Oh, um, wow. Oh. I, I, that's painful. Uh, maybe this yeah. is
1: blasphemous, you know, for the comic and everything, but you take one of the most handsome actors in Existence, and then you, Honestly, you cover you him up. It's just a giant tease,
2: yeah. Apparently, Lionsgate was leading with the Dread 3D thing, it didn't work out well. Uh, there's um, they their problem was, and this is what the studio saying, is they forgot that
0: nobody you, cares about Dread <laughs> if you
2: do a movie, you know. <laughs> I, I relate it to kind of like so Pirates red. of the Caribbean, it's like nobody can find the island who hasn't already been to it. If you market it completely to fanboys, don't give any other explanations of who Dread is or why you'd want to see him. Don't, you know, you just give the teaser trailers where you're showing Dread blowing a bunch of people it away. It was and stuff marketed like that.
1: that way to people who already knew.
2: You don't know why you want to go see this if you've never seen this series. So they the overestimated the cult fandom. Of- I think so. Uh, and that's what the. the the studio, and or the wallets of the, execs of the Gold Phantom, <laughs> and a lot of people are saying, "Look, you didn't really. You expected this to to bring it in from the the old movie and the new fanboy stuff, and and all this stuff, and it just it just didn't happen. So it didn't do well. Uh, it's not to say that the movie is bad, but uh, it's just people don't know who Dredd is or why they should go see him. It opened 6th
1: you know you know what open that i want to see actually really bad is looper
2: yes Um, i've heard that it's good a lot Uh, of good things uh, joseph
1: gordon levitt was uh the guest the host on the uh the season opener of snl and chuck and i had a great time he was awesome he
0: really worked it man. he was
1: in like every skit almost for the whole night and in between live skits they had video skits with him in them
2: he was really busting his ass yeah he was
1: he's hard-working guy um but i i, I want to see who's is yeah yeah it, and i heard that his impression of Bruce Willis is pretty uncanny a young Bruce Willis i could
2: see that he's actually pretty talented mm-hmm. i mean I, and honestly you you have a lot of Bruce Willis material out there to to go from yeah.
0: so talented plus hard working
2: generally equals good stuff if at all if you're going to get it so one well, one might assume so <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I'm also looking forward to uh Cloud Atlas.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, oh, we talked about more. that. That's gonna be insane.
0: Hey, I I you know they've been doing press for that, right? And you've seen a lot of the noise about it is that uh is that both Wachowskis are doing the press. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I, I'm not gonna go into that because I don't I don't think it deserves a lot of commentary. People I'm just, are making
1: noise about that?
0: The short version, you know, that yeah. that one of them had a sex change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after that, they did, That's uh, why they're she not referred- did not really do any press. Right. They yeah, did not. And
1: now they're, they're doing press. They're doing press yeah. together.
0: And, uh, and it's
1: Lana, right? It's correct. Lana Wachowski. And, but yeah, I mean, so they're not referred to as the Wachowski brothers anymore. They're referred to as the Wachowski's
0: bottom line. I'm just really happy that they're out and do it. Cause this is obvious. They're, these are incredibly creative people. Yeah. And I, I, It'd be really sad to see some social garbage get in the way of really creative, awesome stuff and the promotion of it. So well, I
1: only watch movies that are created by two dicks. <laughs> this movie yeah. has not enough dicks behind it.
2: <laughs> and their their greatest successes are when both of them bring what they find interesting and uh, uh, I guess interactive and dynamic together and that that mashup is always very interesting sounds
0: like they're doing that
2: yeah it really does with with this one and the fact that they're they're pumped about it and and you're not actually like with um oh god what was the one they did speed racer Uh right i mean they plastered that thing everywhere i mean it was everywhere and you knew all about it and everything they're like look because it was visually stunning right right not a whole lot behind it because you can't really make a great movie about speed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, personal opinion, there's not, not a deep individual.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know. Coming up next year, the Count Chocula movie. Yeah. When somebody <laughs> shut the monkey up. Why are you hiding in the truck? What's wrong with you? It's a race
2: car. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. I have some problems. But anyway, that Matrix, they, they hyped a little bit, but they, they really wanted to leave you with the question, you know, the enigma. Um, this one, they're kind of doing the same thing. I love that. They they ain't gonna tell you. You don't know what's going on. Those people have something to say.
0: Yeah. Good or bad, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna mess you up. Exactly. You may love it. You may hate it. But
2: you will definitely be engaged. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's That's gonna be cool. This is this is the Wachowskis at their best, as far as I'm concerned. At least from this vantage point, this far, I think it's gonna be exciting. Uh, The other one I saw the other day, more of, and it's because I'm watching a lot of Disney Channel these days. Uh, is a couple of the extra things from Wreck It Ralph. Oh yeah!
0: They,
1: oh, cool! Yeah,
0: yeah. I saw Wreck It Ralph has been uh, doing promoted tweets recently. Holy crap! Do really you say
1: all star vocal cast? I'm really
0: yeah. not a fan of promoted tweets, yeah, but yeah. I gotta say, I am a fan of Wreck It Ralph.
2: I think it looks cool. It does look cool. <laughs> I love the fact that um, Oh, God, what's what's the oh, what the the girl who has the the Comedy Central show? They they she's actually quite pretty, but they tell her she has a horse face um sarah silverman thank you and she jokes about it and all that kind of stuff uh her character this little girl in the game it's it's like sugar rush is the name of the game her character is a glitch it's a mistake and she's upset that she's that the game calls her a mistake and everything and nobody really wants to play with her and everything because she's just a code glitch and how Wreck-It Ralph deals with her and everything. They get, they have a little minute spot on the Disney Channel where they're telling you about her being a wow. misfit in her own game, which is really freaking cool. I mean, just to, to yeah. take that dynamic and and put Sarah Silverman in it, who is brilliant at that kind of thing anyway. Uh, and then she's this cute little girl with ponytails and everything like that who is wicked smart and, <laughs> and way smarter than her entire game.
1: I can see Sarah Silverman doing that well. That is
2: Sarah Silverman. Don't yeah. let her...
0: Don't let her fun, foul, you know, simple.
2: She is sharp as a razor. (laughs) Fool you! Check out, check out. She is smart as hell. I really like that aspect of it. I really do. Wreck
1: It Ralph is John C. Riley, um, Sarah Silverman, Jane Lynch, who I love. Wow. Adam Carolla, um, Ed O'Neill, Alan Tudyk checking out like
2: it's like everybody yeah there's a lot yeah, there's of people a couple, there's a couple it looks really cool the, the premise is cool they're they're doing a lot of cool things with it i i'm excited to see it i I think you haven't seen another movie like this exactly uh that that this is this is much more like something you might see from pixar as far as i'm concerned so it's it's really kind of cool
0: oh that's good to hear So with Audra back, we get to continue our robots discussion this week. Robots, Robots Robot. The robot. This week with a discussion of robots that either uh, wish to be human or... uh,
1: Or want to emulate. Want to emulate humans. Yeah, I I figure it's important to say because some of them want to try to be like humans, but don't actually... Don't
2: quite make it, you know. Right, right.
1: Well, I guess there's a difference, you know, like I'm going to try to become human as opposed to I'm going to try to be as human as I can be.
2: You know, the more
0: we talk about this uh, on the cast and preparing for it and everything, the more I start to realize how much we use robots as a uh, you know, as a stand-in for us as a way to explore ourselves.
1: Oh, yes. It's like most yeah. of
0: the literature is really and when I say literature, I don't just mean books. I mean like all of it is yeah. really about us viewed through this lens of robots in order to look at parts of us that you can't separate out in normal situations. I
1: might've quoted this before, but uh, there's this terrific poem by Emily Dickinson called tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And basically it just talks about, it's a short poem and it just says that the most truthful that you can be is by getting at it from an angle. And it always makes me think of like, in the night sky, if you're kind of a backyard astronomer and you'll try to look at something, sometimes you'll look at a star or something straight on and you can't see it because of the natural uh blind spots in the human eye. True. And sometimes Your peripheral
0: vision has better night vision than the center. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and sometimes if you look, you know, kind of away, like aside.
2: Freaks you out when you're a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you look kind of next to the thing you're trying to look at, you actually can see it better. Um And it makes me think, like, that's what art does a lot of times is, you know, Aristotle said that, you know, poets are liars and that we we shouldn't have that. But I think that anyone who appreciates (laughs) art knows that, you know, you tell lies in order to tell a deeper truth. Yeah. And and I think that when we make up stories about robots and, and have robots take on the form of humans, you know, like create them in our image, so to speak. You know, it's because it's easier to understand and have conversations about humanity when we're looking at it through this kind of, you know, indirect lens. Absolutely. It's like a refracted kind of sight. Well, the more
0: I think about it, it's like when you think about a robot that wants to emulate or be human, what we're really asking when we create that is, what does it mean to be human, you know?
1: And I think also there's the sense of responsibility that we have. I mean, it's related to what we talked about the last time we did the robots, which is robots who may want to end up taking over and destroying us or or ruling us. I think that we see ourselves in a way as if we're the creators, does that make us have the same kind of parental responsibilities that we consider creators to have? You know, I mean, a lot of religions uh, are going to see the creator as a kind of a parental figure in some way. And I think that humans worry about that. Like, you know, in some case, we fear that we're going to be bad parents and that the robots will overtake us. And in other cases, maybe it it soothes our anxieties to think that maybe they'll just try to be like us, like Data tries to be like Noonie and Soong.
2: Well, it's kind of weird you use the parental word, weird. Uh, parental <laughs> parental word because with children at a certain responsibility or at a certain level of responsibility you have for the children it stops at a certain level when they are grown and I'm using finger quoties here right when they become their it's own entity line, yeah. what you're saying yeah. yeah when they become their own entity you are no longer I mean they will always be your children but you are no longer responsible for all their actions they can if you did your job as a parent correctly they can think and function and do things on their own and.
1: Yeah, Which, there's a separation phase. That's yeah, normal,
2: you know. But that's, that's
0: interesting to think that what they what it sounds like what you're saying is that what a what it means to be a child remains the same, to be someone's child remains the same, but what it means to be someone's parent changes.
2: Yeah, it does. And oh, that's it interesting. changes as time goes on, sometimes before your eyes, you watch it and you're like, "Ah, that is not my job anymore," you know. And to be a good parent, you need to really walk with that running set of goals the entire time and with robots almost all the time when you see the robots rebel and we see them kick back against us is because we've done a bad job of parenting if you want to look at it that way you know we've tried to kill the child or we've tried to incorrectly <laughs> that's bad parenting, that's parenting you know bad parenting. or we have
1: kind of an oedipal fear that the child will try to kill us
2: right or we don't want them to do like as a parent you want your child to do better and be better than you uh, in the case of robots and stores many times, we do not want that at all uh, Good and point it is it's difficult because you want to to apply that same kind of thing to them, but at the same time, you want to get all the benefits from it and have them gain nothing a lot of times and yeah. it's it's difficult
0: that's the point that lore makes with with data, right, which is that they don't want you. They want you to they like you. I mean, honestly, they kind of call it. He kind of calls him an Uncle Tom, right? He's like, you mimic what they want you to be talking oh, Laura to data. Yeah. data. Yeah. This, yeah. Laura calls sellout, data. yeah. yeah it says you should. But I mean, he's like, you're not being what you are. You're being you're trying to emulate them. And what you are is different than them and he says better and that's where i disagree but and that's why he's a douchebag yeah, instead but it of, is different but but if you stop there and say you know in a way that is a problem because data is not human he is different there there's no nothing wrong with taking the best that humanity has to offer where they overlap but he has to be himself you know and by limiting himself to being what jordy is maybe isn't the best thing for him you know
2: And it works, you know, the other way too. you know, if you look at uh, Bicentennial Man, Bicentennial Man desperately wants to be more than he is. He is when he is first uh, aware, he is very limited and he knows that and he has a limited sense of the world. He has a limited sense of things he can do. He has his knowledge is lacking almost across the board. And he aspires to be, for him, it's not necessarily something that he already is. It's something that he is becoming. Like, Data really doesn't change as far as a a physical and emotional thing. I mean, a little bit on the emotional side, but everything. But Data kind of remains the same, just tries to come to grips with who and what he is. Uh, If you go with something like Bicentennial Man, Bicentennial Man has this great 200 year arc of arc changing of changing and yeah. becoming what he aspires to be. And he, he does achieve that goal and it's, uh, well, he does. I mean, he dies 30 seconds afterwards, but he does achieve it. And, but the thing is, you realize that the legacy in the world he left is different than when he began. And he doesn't necessarily mean to change it for other people, but through him changing it for himself, he Changed everything else around him. That is probably one of the few stories where a robot, as assemb- some you know, ascends to being human, so to speak, where it works out for everybody involved.
1: You know I, how we were talking about the way that um, the robot stories help us look at ourselves. It's so interesting because I've seen so many stories like that where the robot, like the word ascends is appropriate because we see that, you know, like in I, Robot, the movie, you know, these helper robots are supposed to, well, they're kind of a serving class. But we always think of it as the more human you like or the more human you are like, the better you are as if humans are naturally superior and maybe that's true, you know, if you if you create a machine, you know, a human uh, creation where it's just these kind of programming things. But it's also interesting the way that we make assumptions that if something is more like a human, it's just better than being less like a human. Like, you know, an analogy would be like animals. A lot of times we, we give more value to the animals on Earth that, display more human characteristics like we really like animals like dolphins because dolphins have a lot in common with humans you know but like other sea creatures we don't give them as much affection or respect or or try to protect them as often because they just don't remind us of ourselves
2: fine example is uh carl sagan made the argument about the heike crab in uh, cosmos he said, look, it, it looked a little bit like a face on the back of this crab's carapace. Yeah, and yeah. they threw it back because they didn't want to, you know, they, they had a connection with it that had nothing to do with them. But still, to humans, it reminded them a little bit of themselves. And today, you, I mean, they're all over because they still won't fish them.
1: So interesting. Um, but I can't help but, you know, wonder if some of it isn't a little bit of self-congratulatory, like patting our own backs you know like we'll create these robots and we'll be so good at creating these robots that we'll teach them how to be like us and it's almost this kind of arrogant like we'll we'll school them and allow them to have civilization like we have and to have the values that we have because just the assumption that everything that we do is the right way to do it you know and and i'm not i'm not trying to be cynical but um, but there's this episode of Red Dwarf of all things, right? There's this episode where Crichton transforms into a human. And then, so it's cool because uh, what's his name in place? Crichton just gets to be like himself without the suit. Robert Llewellyn. Yeah, Robert Llewellyn. And uh, it's funny because Crichton always, quote unquote, aspires to like rise up to be human. Like he wants to learn how to lie and he wants to learn how to make jokes and and do all these things that are kind of emotion and, and Complicated, and when he becomes a human, it's really funny because he points out all the shortcomings. He's like, "Well, you don't have like 3D zoom vision. Well, how do you see things that are far away up close?" And Lister's like, "Move your head closer to the object," (laughs) (laughs) you know. And and he ends up having all these little like things that annoy him about being human. And Crichton decides ultimately that it's kind of cool, but that he doesn't really want to be human. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of misses just being himself. And it's a cool message, I think, that, you know, I don't think all robot emulation stories are are about, like, saying we humans are great. But I think there is kind of a trend of that, that we always look at them like the more human they are, the more superior they are. Instead of why can't you be valuable in a different way?
2: Well, they they illustrate, again, of all things, uh, Venture Brothers, Helper. Is an office chair that meeps like Beaker from the Muppets, you know, but he has a personality. He is probably the the most intelligent about danger situations. You know, he's the only (laughs) one who doesn't run in. He's like, this is bad. I am leaving. (laughs) Uh, He's incredibly correct. Like when the boys are in trouble or they have a problem or something like that helper will always come. He will always help them. He always does things like that. But everybody treats him like crap because all he does is meep. And he's he doesn't look like a person. Whereas you take somebody like C-3PO. He looks kind of like a person. He he doesn't move around real good, but he interacts with you in a way that you understand a lot better. And people treat him better than, than necessarily they could. Now, they ignore him a lot because he is kind of annoying. But... <laughs> Uh, he, but he is a, a valued part of their dynamic. I mean, they, if they really didn't like him, they would just leave him home or leave him on the ship or whatever. But he's always there because he, he provides a service and he's valuable and he's their friend.
0: You know, a couple of things, you, What some of the stuff you said, Sean, really got me thinking. That's why I was kind of quiet over here. I just was like kind of lost in it for a minute. You know, you, you brought up Bicentennial Man, and I think one of this really ties into your discussion just a moment ago. It seems like uh, so many of the movies are about the robot in this, in this lesser position trying to, trying to rise up to humanity, and Bicentennial Man is one of the few movies that are flipped where he's sort of dragging humanity along. He's out there pioneering this trail of figuring out how things work and how to be a new kind of person when things come together. And he's waiting for the rest of the world to catch up patiently, waiting for the rest of the world to catch up to him from everything, from when he has to deal with an early generation that just sees him as a servant that dies off, a later generation that sort of has to learn to deal with him, to when he decides that he wants to die himself, and he feels that that's an important – that ending life is an important part of living, living life, yeah. you know. And, and he takes these things that we just sort of think, well, hopefully somebody of a philosopher will figure that out someday. And he's out there adjusting himself to learn about this stuff and dragging society along, right?
2: And it took society 200 years to keep up with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, because – yeah, exactly. And and the, uh, the other thing that kind of struck me is that we – I can't help but think how much robots are used to explore the concept of class. You know? Oh, yeah. Because if you think about it, robots are the ultimate like proletariat, right? I mean, they're designed to work, and we don't expect them to do anything but that. Everything from uh, from the episode of of Next Gen where Data is given command of the ship, and and the asshole under him can't accept that because mm-hmm. I mean he can clean things and he mm-hmm. can he can even uh, be, do parlor tricks, but don't you dare make me expect to take an order from him because I'm in. We're I'm humans, a, and I we're am in I'm a charge. biological
1: human, and therefore I'm better. I'm in a different class, you know? Yeah. Right.
0: It's the ultimate... Or like the
1: Doctor and Voyager, you know, at first. Oh, yeah. They haven't even created him so that he can leave the sick pay.
0: Right, and they use him as a as to his model to clean... Uh, what do they call him? Well, to,
1: on Earth, yeah. Yeah,
0: to clean... Fuel tanks that are dangerous to go into. Yeah,
1: when they replace and and upgrade that model, they use all the other ones, like the one that's still on Voyager out in the Delta Quadrant. They use all the other ones to just become cleaning. And they have desires and their own hopes and dreams. Like, there's that cool, like, Beowulf episode. I don't know if you ever saw that, Sean, where the doctor um, ends up living, you know, I think, I can't remember if it's on another planet or what, but he has this adventure with this kind of uh, ancient society that's very much like Beowulf. And he gets a name. He actually earns a name by heroically protecting wow. some people and
2: No, I guess I didn't see that. It's cool, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't hang on to it. He he like lets it stay in that experience. But it, it talks about the value of a name and how he's just called the doctor and you know, eventually he pushes and says, look, I, I want to be able to move around outside the sick bay, you know.
2: Well, they get him that and emitter that he wears on his yeah, shoulder, the, like you the, guys the are wearing emitter. your emitters now.
1: <laughs> but at first, he can That's only awesome. talk to them from this little screen interface. And when they're on the bridge, the doctor's face will pop up on a screen from the sick bay. And they shut him off. Like, yeah. they don't want to hear him talk, so they just... <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. And it's... they. They do a lot of that in sci-fi. I mean, they they devalue the robot so that they can show you how it feels to be devalued yourself,
0: and to explore what it means and and honestly, it's really hard to think about changing your position in in society, whatever that is, no matter who you are, you know. And and so by putting it on a robot, you know, uh, Audra and I were talking the other day about I guess NPR had talked about this story where they were using. Robots to do to do. Oh, it wasn't
1: NPR. It was a it was a web. Oh, to do Mm -hmm.
0: these gender experiments. It's kind of like uh, I guess the the uh, Clark man and wife, right? Back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, did experiments with race where they would show kids dolls, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're identical except one's black, one's white, right? one's brownish and one's pinkish. And the kids right? were
1: all a diverse group and they would ask the kids questions like which one's which, good, which one's smarter, which one's which doll is prettier and and across the board all the kids black, white, Hispanic, whatever would gravitate towards saying that the the white dolls right. were smarter. Right, and then they'd and ask them why,
0: and, which was yeah. interesting. Well, they were doing you were using robots for that to do it with gender. Like they would give these robots that are identical and do identical things, right? Except one of them has long hair and is pink and stuff, and one of them is short hair and, and so on. I think
1: the hair was the only feature that was different. One, yeah, one robot was given like a short hair feature, one. and one was given long hair. And then they asked people questions like, "Which one is more capable?" at One this robot scale? had
2: glasses. Yeah. One had a mullet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, it, it, and they asked <laughs> questions. That's the
2: Redneck robot, right there.
1: And they showed that, uh, again, across the board, um, you know, all the people who were asked, men and women, attributed things like um, better social skills and cooperative abilities and things to the female-looking robot. And then the robot with short hair, they said it would be better at technical problems and, you know... Yeah, it you, was just like, wow, really? And it's the same robot. Which you know, is scary
0: because both of these expose. And, and it's they, a
2: robot. And, they,
0: <laughs> and they've been replicated recently. So a lot of people like to point at those and say, oh, they're old. They wouldn't happen again. But it does. And we have these kind of things built into us. And, and the only difference is is that I think you know we can try to deal with them or not. And that's, that's our choice. But anyway, my point was is that you use robots for that. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about using robots as stand-ins for us in fiction in order to look at how we think and what we do. And it's like a it's, – it's a very creative way of exploring those things, you know?
2: There's a, uh, there's a factory in Illinois somewhere, and I don't remember where, who, who it was. I can't remember if it was auto manufacturing or some kind of tech manufacturing. It's some kind of big thing, and they've got this big robot arm. Right, and it's computer controlled, and it, it does all its stuff, and it does I don't know five hundred different types of motions and things, and you know it's it can reach halfway across factory, you know, and just grabs parts and does some stuff. Well, people kept you know running into it or, or breaking it or, or stuff like that. So what they did is they painted the entire thing pink, and put a uh, a ponytail on the back of one of its of its articulate things, and then gave it a name, and I cannot remember the name holy crap and people stopped running into it. and people stopped running into it started taking care of it started bringing a culture about it wow. all that kind of stuff i mean just ridiculous crap but it worked you know
1: kind of cool also i mean, yeah, I mean it they, says that were uh, i mean it's a flaw in one way when we attribute like stereotypes but it could also be a strength the fact that we're empathetic enough that we can we can project vulnerability or or needs onto something
0: you know you know what the scary thing is and it's true about all of us nobody escapes from this we have these these schemas these things that we do to to automate and move on so we can think about more complex stuff we all have them and they're and built into those because it's the way we work are some crazy things some things that don't quite work or don't make sense and those things can be activated and when they do, we do certain things like you put a, you paint it pink, put a ponytail on it, give it a name, it, evac- it it activates certain schemas in us that say you should take care of that. And we do it. We don't mean to. It just it happens. It just happened. They didn't, we don't even know that we're doing it. They sometimes. didn't even
2: tell anybody or anything like that. They just did it one weekend just to just to have fun and see if anybody would do it and everything, because that's the way the maintenance guys thought of it. You know, it was it was this, yeah. this you know, and they're personally invested in it. Yeah. Right? And suddenly the whole factory is, and it it just worked like that. It was just a spontaneous thing, and every it ever happened with everybody. Just bang, there it is. And it was very strange, you know. It was some kind of study, and I can't remember who. That's it was. so interesting. I know, yeah. isn't it? It's just weird. The the things we'll will manage to do with that, but
1: or well, it's like the Mars rovers, you know. You know the, oh yeah, the, way they, the way they 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 have Curiosity's tweeting. And, hey, oh, yeah. ran right across
2: a rock. You know,
1: I'm taking a selfie. There how you many
2: go. of you?
0: How many of you? we really sad oh. uh, when 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 they stopped responding. Yeah, yeah. Like really, like, like actually, yeah. Win spirit, yeah. Win spirit, opportunity. Yeah. No longer. It was
1: like losing Wally. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. You've, I like to think of them as just there, you know, sort Waiting. of like Wally, yeah. kind of chilling, being like, all right, well,
0: I'll you're gonna show up, and around. they're gonna have like piled everything up in neat piles and yeah. made everything cool. <laughs> hey,
2: we <laughs> built a city. You guys need a city or <laughs> anything like that? <laughs> We noticed you guys use oxygen. We made some oxygen. You guys need that, you know. Nice. I mean, just weird stuff. We made liquid water. Is that cool? I mean, just I love to think of them doing that kind of thing. It's sort of like Wally. Hey, I'm gonna take care of this while you all away. I, you know, it's my thing. I'm gonna do that. I don't know. Speaking I just,
0: of, did you you did see in the news that uh, that the new rover determined that there was not a little bit of water, but a lot yeah, of water really? in the past, like really? running water on Mars. Like, holy crap. I know, yeah. barely got any coverage. A lot of people are making fun of that. But the,
2: the speculation that those canals were actually formed by water? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Big That's discoveries. Awesome. Big
0: yeah.
1: discoveries. That's so awesome. I remember it was just a few years ago when they they found, like, microscopic things under ice or whatever that said could have been water. And it was a big deal. You know, just yeah. this idea that there was once water has a lot of implications about life.
0: Yes, and it does.
1: I mean, who knows, you know, it could have been like Earth at one point.
0: I wonder how much that personification, I know we've talked about it in terms of like what it did for the public and so on, you know, making, giving it the feel of personal exploration, of of human exploration. But I wonder what it did, what effect it had in terms of the longevity of those robots. The fact that they lasted so long. I wonder if some of that had to do with the fact that the personification of them maybe led people to... Not give be, up on them. Not give up on them and be more creative and, and not purposefully. Yeah. Not set out and say, I'm going to do my job no. now. I mean, like...
1: But maybe the engineers would be more passionate about, you know, making sure that every I was dotted I and every or, T crossed or something. Or finding
0: yeah. a new way
2: to make them last longer, you know? Yeah. Rover XB1A is not exactly as sexy as Curiosity yeah, or, or whatever. Well, yeah. more is
1: at stake. And, and I think that there must have been some reason for doing that. I mean, to get a whole bunch of people interested and in, in following them on Twitter and following and little kids and all kinds of people excited about these, um, these characters, you know, they, they must have known that it was going to have the effect of making people a lot more caring and maybe Pe- get people into science fields more as well.
2: People crave interaction and they, they, they gravitate towards it. I mean, look at when people create Twitter accounts for Sockington. Right. I mean. That's true. It's a dude tweeting about his cat.
1: Isn't there an, an air conditioning system, Chuck, at your school that has oh, a yeah, Twitter Oh, yeah, it's account? pretty
2: awesome. There are a lot of
0: things people will, because we use Twitter in the classroom for a back channel, sure. like they display it on the wall yeah, and yeah, yeah. you can communicate.
1: <laughs> same back time, same back channel. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, nice. They, uh, They're... they're there's one classroom that we're in all the time that has a really loud air conditioner unit in the back of the classroom. It's like, you know, whenever you're trying to do anything. So there's actually a Twitter account called like CB three air conditioner and <laughs> like AKA whisper. And they yeah. will, It started out where it would say things like whoosh. You know when it came on in the classroom, but the thing is, is everybody distributes the account around, so almost anybody can tweet from it. So it's entertaining. Sometimes it will join the conversation, which <laughs> is pretty funny. Like it'll make a, a valid point about the, <laughs> the thing. There, this there, is my like, third time through this lecture, and I think this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: There's also uh, a fly that you see a lot in there every now and then, and uh, and somebody created an account called CB3Fly. And it's a picture. Its picture is like a picture of a fly. <laughs> and,
2: and Everything's every inverted and then, from the ceiling.
0: Oh no! It gets better every now and then. It'll make fly puns. In, in oh its,
1: yeah, something about like
0: I can't remember, it, but it was it was using a big word that's actually like a part of a fly or something, and you had to it's look like, it up.
1: I musca, I musca made a mistake or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. That.
0: And then uh, every now wow. and then, its profile picture will change to like some fly related thing that's like it's a fan of you know it's entertaining it's fun people have a sense of humor in my classes like
1: a picture of just jeff goldblum's headshot yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) it's
0: like you know
2: half as the fly he's like yeah terror movies just a fly swatter rack at walmart (laughs) it's awesome
1: well i have had so much fun you know just talking about the different robots like robots thematically you know and we've got more to come with that um there's so much to say which i love you know, we can bounce around and I'm oh, having yeah. fun with this. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I am looking forward to more discussion on robots and we have some more coming next week.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. One that I know that Sean already has some in the queue for uh, robots who want to be your friend oh, or, or who you would love to be your friend. You oh, know? man.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. RTD2. <laughs> oh, yeah. wall Wally WALL-E. <laughs> Bumblebee. Wally, Bumblebee. Bumblebee. I, want, I want Bumblebee. Plus, you get transportation with Bumblebee. That works out for me. Yeah, I mean, the, the drawback being that it might be busy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, with an astromech droid, I mean, it doesn't come with an X-Wing, but... Well, we could assume that it does. You I could build one. Right. You know, he's got the welder and it's all that kind of stuff. Certainly fix one, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if at you least your car one. will run. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like, going to break down. R2
0: I would totally gonna... make like a place in the car to install the Astro... What would that be like? A, a truck like bed? A road mech?
1: <laughs> <laughs> road <laughs> mech. <laughs> it's not really an Astro
0: mech because my car is not really... <laughs> auto right. ter- like, ter- auto mech. There you go. Terra mech. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Nice. But anyway, we should wrap up. Audrey, you got anything to add here? Yeah.
1: No, no, that was pretty much it. Just, uh, just having fun with this. So... yeah. Looking forward to more road... Robots, and then uh, down the road, uh, some Halloween stuff.
2: Sean? Uh, uh, two things. One, I am uh, uh, arrowed to the knee deep in Skyrim <laughs> still, and uh, it's it's nice. really cool. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Also, I found out this week that uh, one of my favorite robot series, I was looking at uh, books and stuff. I've mentioned uh, Isaac and Janet Asimov uh, wrote the Norby series. Uh-huh. Uh, I found out that they kept writing them after I quit reading them from the Scholastic program. Oh. And I've only read four out of 12. Oh,
1: sweet. So you got so some stuff queued I've up. I've got
2: some stuff I'm, I'm heading out to do and uh, get some more stuff. So it's really, really cool. I'm very excited about it. They have those
0: at half price all the time. Yeah, I have seen tons excited. of them there.
2: Very excited. I thought there were only four books and I have the two omnibuses that they did of them. And I found out that there's like six or eight more. So I'm super excited. That's awesome. Super excited. Hey, isn't it Gundam month
0: next month or something like that? I don't know,
2: but that's really cool if that's the truth. I heard, I think that's the case. I heard people
0: <laughs> complaining on Facebook that that it was Gundam month, or either it was or it was going to be, but they didn't have anybody around them that right. knew what Gundam was. I <sighs> oh,
2: love Gundam. Yeah, so. And nobody I know has well, seen then we'll, it. We'll
1: talk about <laughs> it here, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the role that we no, will no, no. fill. No, I mean, like people who turn to GWC to have, you oh, know. I'm with you. Nice. No, no, no.
0: I've seen a tiny bit. Okay.
1: No yeah, one in cool. my real world knows what this is. GWC knows what it is. GWC knows what <laughs> it is. Yeah.
0: Well, really thanks cool. for listening, everybody, and I will see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers, Soleil, forum moderators, Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC book club maven, Casilda, and tech guru, Juan Drew remember if you'd like to share your opinions with the gwc crew and listeners you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229 extension 701 you can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com our website and blog but you should really spend some time over on the gwc forum gwcers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi we're always re-watching a group reading something fun you might even find a gwc meetup somewhere near you GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercore.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minnadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash encoder.